one of the big questions uh, that people have when they begin reading the New Testament is, what are all these quotations from the Old Testament and the New Testament? And how come they're there? And how come they're so unevenly distributed? I mean, for example, if you were reading Paul's famous letter to the Romans, and you're reading Romans 1 through 8, there's about one quotation from the Old Testament per chapter. And it's always really brief. And then you get to Romans 9 through 11, and holy mackerel, it's like you've fallen into a vat of Old Testament quotations. They're in almost every verse, and they are combined, and there are collections of them, and there are permutations and combinations of them, and it's like you've gone to a scripture fest all of a sudden. What's the point of the Old Testament in the New Testament? Well, the first thing you need to remember is there was no New Testament in the New Testament era. So the only sacred scriptures that early Christians has, had were the Old Testament. So if you're going to cite a, a sacred authority text, it has to be from the Old Testament. And Christians of all different stripes, whether they're gospel writers, or the writer of Acts, or writers of letters, or the book of Revelation, were frequently referencing the Old Testament. There's another reason for this as well. So far as I can tell, all of the writers of the New Testament, and I do mean all of them, were either Jews or God-fearers. That is, they were either ethnic Jews or they were people who had had a previous connection with the synagogue and had learned the scriptures in the synagogue before they became followers of Jesus. The New Testament is a thoroughly Jewish book, and one of the proofs of this is the many, many citations of the Old Testament in the New. But another question that could be raised about that is, how are these quotations used? And the answer is, in a whole bunch of different ways. Sometimes they're used theologically, sometimes they're used ethically, sometimes they're used homiletically for preaching purposes, sometimes they're used to drive home a point, sometimes they're used to make a point, sometimes they're used to apply something. There are all kinds of creative uses of the Old Testament in the New Testament. But perhaps one of the most common motifs is what we can call the fulfillment motif. God said it back here, now something is happening now, which provides a fulfillment in our time. The Christians all believed they lived in the eschatological age, the age when the kingdom of God was coming on earth. And in that age, the promises and prophecies of God were coming true. So, scriptures were frequently cited in the New Testament to demonstrate how these things are now being fulfilled in our own time, in our own day, in God's own way, over and over again. But what's interesting about this is it's not just the Old Testament prophecies that are being fulfilled. It's the whole kit and caboodle of the Old Testament. There's a fulfillment of the whole priestly Levitical apparatus in Jesus. He's the high priest. He's the temple. He's the sacrifice. There's the fulfillment of Old Testament characters like Abraham or Melchizedek. Those are types of those who were to come, like Christ. Christ is seen as a figure like Melchizedek. Uh, Abraham is seen as the prototype of Christian faith. Not just a fulfillment of prophecies of God or even promises of God, but a fulfillment of the whole institutions of the Old Testament in the person of Christ and in the Christian era. 
So there are lots of different ways the Old Testament is used in the New Testament, but one of the most common has to do with fulfillment language. Let's think of one more way the Old Testament is used in the New Testament. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Now one of the things that should have struck you as odd is, even though that's true, Paul is frequently quoting the Old Testament to largely Gentile audiences. Why is that? Well, it's because they didn't have any sacred texts. If you study pagan religion, there are no holy books in ancient Greek or Roman religion. There just aren't. There are some oracles of prophets and prophetesses. They're the Sibylline oracles. But basically, there were not any pagans in antiquity carrying around their own equivalent of the Bible. They didn't have sacred texts. Jews had sacred texts. They had something to offer. So when Paul was writing to even a largely Gentile audience, he would say, here's the good news. God has spoken to us and it's been put in writing. And you can learn a lot more about God if you're prepared to learn about the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. To me, one of the most exciting parts about this is to study the various ways uh, Old Testament texts are used in the New Testament. And I'll leave you just with this thought. There are two books of the Old Testament that are most frequently cited in the New Testament. The Psalms and Isaiah. The two most frequently quoted, cited, alluded to, or echoed books in the New Testament from the Old Testament are the Psalms and Isaiah. Now, why is that? The Psalms are the worship book of the Old Testament. So what's happening in the New Testament is the repristinization of true worship. Jesus says himself, the day is coming and now is when we will all worship, not on this mountain or that moment, mountain, but in spirit and in truth. The fulfillment of true worship is happening in and through Jesus. But what about Isaiah? Isaiah has sometimes been called the fifth gospel, and so it is too. It reveals to us not only the character of fulfillment from Old and New Testament, but the character of the kingdom and the character of the suffering servant, our Jesus. Think on these things.